Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And today's guest is someone you may well know if you have been a um, Broadway fan. I'm going to start right. I'm going to introduce you right off, Ray. And by the way, it's so nice to meet you. I'm delighted myself. Ray Santos, who is a, you know, actor, dancer and singer. And when you (laughs) define yourself, do you just say performer? Yes, performer is is. I've come to terms with that. Well, because there's <laughs> yeah, a lot included. Some people are actors, some people are dancers, some people are singers, and you're all for okay. I'm going to get to yeah. do something that I know, <laughs> selfish, selfish little me, but I'm going to get to ask you questions about Broadway performing, a couple of that I've always been curious about. But I'll okay. get to that. so why don't we just start off with you, like. You were raised where and when did you have your first dance lesson and were you the one who pushed for it or did your parents in- introduce you or what? Great story. Okay, I am I'm originally from uh, South San Francisco, California. And uh, what happened, this is so uh, chorus line, but my sister actually went to dance classes uh-huh. and I would watch her Oh, do it. And so that the I can do that song. So um, she was taking hula lessons and I just kind of started learning it. And my mom saw me do it. So it became kind of like every time they have dinner parties where all my family would uh, come, they would always say, hey, Ray, you and your sister, why don't you go up and dance? So that's the first time that oh, I actually how, started how old, how old were you then? I was seven years old. So I have a question, and this is just like kind of a by a, a tangential question. You talked about hula lessons. Uh-huh. Now I haven't heard about that in like what 60 years, but when I was a girl, <laughs> a lot of us took they didn't call them hula lessons, by the way. In the uh-huh. 40s, you know what it was called? What was it called? Hula hula. It was oh. the dance was the hula hula. It wasn't like hula. Anyway, just I was thinking about that the other day. So I'm so glad you brought it up. Oh, thank <laughs> okay. You. Well, so, so where did to you remember it? Where did you um, morph into next? I mean, what kind of dancing? Uh, into jazz, first uh-huh. of all, jazz and a little bit of ballet. I had to force myself with ballet because I was not that. Um, confident in that uh-huh and so but i needed technique sure. as far as you know dancing goes if i wanted to to choose you know to choose that path i did but now so but what about was, singing then singing okay short story my mom uh gave me a karaoke machine when i was a kid and i sang a song my first song was uh, just the way you are, Billy Joel, mm-hmm. and then I replayed it back, and I was horrible. Oh, really? <laughs> Thought you were going to say the opposite. Uh-huh. Huh? No, no I, I was horrible, and I was, and you know, those times when you first sing, you think you're a great singer because <laughs> you have nothing to compare it with, and you've never heard yourself sing. Once I heard that, it, it made me try even harder to say, you know. I'm going to keep this as a reminder, this recording of me singing, so I can see where I started from. Okay, but I'm but when you say you say it was horrible, there must have been something in there 
because you're not, you don't go horrible onto 10 years on Broadway in Miss Saigon. It, no, it, it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> I, I, had no, I had no upper register. It was basically, don't go changing giants. It was literally that. When you think that you could sing on, I was singing on key, I was not. Wow, did you and, just decide to get yourself lessons? No, I just uh, taught myself. So, wow. So, um, what I did was I just kept listening to a lot of music. Mm -hmm. I just put my headphones on and that was the whole thing uh, from junior high school or middle school to my senior year in uh, high school. I had no, I did not participate in any social things because right after school, I would just go, I would go straight home, go onto my stereo, put on my headphones and just listen to music and oh, try and, and uh, imitate that. And my biggest source for that was Donna Summer. And that's how I got my vibrato from her. Uh, by listening to her, and this that was a so, great this example. Is, this is so impressive that you did this all on your own. How did how did now you went to San Francisco State, right? Yes. By the I, way, David David Zimmerman says, please give you his love. He sends his love. Yes. Oh, good. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, did you do theater things there? I, I okay. I'm gonna go back a little bit. I went to USF. University of San Francisco as a mass media major. Mm -hmm. And uh, on a whim, a friend of mine wanted to audition for a show. And so I went ahead and auditioned and I got in. And <laughs> now needless to say in high school, I did do some performing, but okay. it was in, okay. in college, I figured and especially because of my mom, I have to be realistic, she says. And uh, I'm not going to get any career going with, with acting, being a minority. And so um, I chose mass media because I wanted to be a recording engineer. But after performing, I realized it's, I did not want to be behind the booth. I wanted to be behind the microphone. <laughs> Yeah, let me uh, ask you, you talked about not getting work because you're a minority. May I ask a question? Oh, this is so thick-headed. Like, what minority are you? I'm Filipino. Okay. So, uh, I just yeah, was curious just, because, well, I, I was just no. curious. Um, so, so oh, that's fine. handsome and talented has to count for a lot. <laughs> Thank you so much. Right? Thank you for that. Yes. Yes. Well, um, so how, how did you go from all this to Broadway? I mean, what, what? Okay, I'm, it wasn't until I decided that I needed to go, that I would love to do theater more. And did. so I had to break that to my mom and dad and they were not very happy about it. Uh, and they said, we are not gonna cover your tuition, especially at, at a private <laughs> uh, college, you need to go do whatever it is you need to do in order to make this happen. So I transferred to San Francisco State University and that's why I auditioned my first, my very first audition there was for Evita and I got it for the role of Che. And that, from then on, that's where I started getting my theater, uh, my theater training. So how do, you training. Feel, how, do you feel about, how do you feel about that right now that your parents said, you know, 
we're not going to support you at some private school, essentially to tell a young man who is a total self-starter to do it on his own was probably a great gift. I'm going to give it up for my mom because she's a great singer. Oh, is that uh, right? Yeah, she's a great dancer as well. My sister can sing as well. Uh, but they, they only see that as a hobby and not as a sure. profession, unfortunately. And, you know, they only knew what they knew then, you know, what they, what they were raised on. Sure. And so, you know, it, it, it took a lot of first proving to them that I can do this. But my next challenge was, you know, showing them that, that I had, had a drive to make this happen. I mean, that's where I started working, like going, going to school and doing shows there, working three jobs wow. and still trying to get a GPA up. You know, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of like a sweat equity. Uh, so my mom and dad can see that I'm actually working really hard on it. Now that must have been, was that, did that just break your mother's heart when you said, you know, I'm going to New York? No, only because I, uh, I, I auditioned, there was an open audition for Miss Saigon in San Francisco. Uh -huh. So I went there uh, and there were only 30 people that auditioned for it. And so it, it wasn't until actually like a year later, uh, after all of the all of the conflict between uh, Equity and Cameron McIntosh and Jonathan Price of you know hiring someone who's Caucasian playing an Asian Asian role, but once that got through, I went ahead and had a, they flew me out there for my uh, dance audition. Yes, go ahead. Well, so I'm, I'm just a little confused because I'm unfamiliar with it. You said you auditioned in San Francisco for Miss Saigon. They were taking. San Francisco auditions for New York? Or... It was an open audition, yes. They were looking for oh. Filipino Americans because- Everywhere in the country to go to New York. Everywhere in the okay. country, yeah, okay. because uh, they figured, and they figured in South San Francisco, Daly City, there's a huge population of the Filipino, of Filipinos. So yes, I'm aware of that. Okay, let's, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and so they, they chose to do that, but they were just amazed that there were only 30 people for the first yeah. well, the first audition. Yes. I think I think it would be easy to be intimidated by a, a call for an audition. Not everybody's got the bravery to do it. Okay, so you go to New York, you move to New York, and right. you are 10 years on the Broadway stage. Yes. Yes. From uh, yeah, from rehearsals on to opening night till the show closed 10 years after. There were four remaining original cast members that stayed for the whole run. Well, and I went to the four. I mean, I saw it there and I remember it very uh, vividly. I wish I'd known you then because I probably saw you. But anyway, you pretty much did. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm pretty so, sure. So I, I have a question that I've always been curious about. Yeah. And that is, well, I'd like you to say something between the, about the relationship between the live Broadway audience and the performers, because I have seen as an audience member, some amazing mm -hmm. moments of connection. You talk about it. Yes. See, it's unique, but 
I am going to give it up for Nicholas Heiner, who was the director of, of the show, because since there was so much controversy within the show, saying in that what it's- way, all, In what way? Uh, it's just all about the Cadillac car and all about the uh, helicopter and yes. nothing, because that was the whole thing, like the chandelier for Phantom of the Opera. And he just, boil it down to us and saying that this is basically a love story oh and, and what a sad one Oy. and a very sad yes and we are there to tell the story of kim and chris and prove to them that we're more than a show about a helicopter oh sure and, uh yeah and, and and the cadillac car you know and plus also that sense of we were still in that conflict of you know there's still people against the show so there were a lot of people picketing the show why and so uh because the whole thing of uh first of all it's not uh putting uh asian the asian community in a popular light because it was you know it was about a pimp a eurasian pimp and also about uh uh Call girls. But we've all <laughs> got pimps and call girls. Okay, well, go ahead. I know, but the thing was, it, yeah. it, it, that was the part where they, the Asian community, they really wanted to push forward as far as uh, letting us be seen in a, a more positive light as far as for performing arts. Because I never got that, you know, I, it was never, it never was brought up to me in college because I, it was all blind casting there. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time mm -hmm. where I actually said, oh my God, <laughs> you know, sometimes it does have to deal about race. But because of that, the actors, the ensemble were so together. We were so, we just wanted to do well. And because of that energy, it was, we were able to convey it to the audience. Okay, that's what I wanted. Yes, because there was in in this play, one of two of the things that I was aware of, I wasn't aware of. I was not aware of any negative portrayal of people, but there was such a strong case to be made for hope. Hope. Yes. And and strength. That's all I want to say about that. Okay, so about so about about your connection with the audience. I am curious, how do you manage to get up, what, six days a week for 10 years and do the same thing? <laughs> now, is it because you have a different audience that you're relating to that it feels new or what? Yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's basically, it's a different energy every time. Yes, you know, and also coupled with the fact that not all of the cast members there stayed for the whole run. Oh, so okay. Every time there's a new person there, it's kind of fresh for, you know. Sure. As uh, old, old, old people there, so uh, older performer there who's you know, who might be might have been jaded had it not been for. The new people coming in. I see. Okay. Okay. Fresh, adding a fresh take on things, and so. Did you have the feeling that you were teaching people something valuable with this play? That's a great question. What? 
That's a great question. Uh, in what sense? Because of storytelling or, or, or about acting, about performing? Oh, I wasn't thinking of the performing. I was thinking about the story itself. Well, well yeah. Yes. Then the answer is yes. We had to, we had, Nicholas Steiner drilled it into us that that is the only way for this show to run uh -huh. and for this show to succeed. And there's, you know, there's nothing more important for an actor than a long running show. Sure. You know. But, you know, um, I would, uh, yeah. Yes. Well, I, I would just guess that the opportunity to teach the world something valuable would be so compelling. Yes. Well, you're, you're an amazing fellow. You're an amazing fellow that you started off with, um, I sang and I listened and it was horrible to I'm on Broadway for 10 years. That's quite a, that's wonderful. Let me ask you something because I am, you know, about love letters. Are you a letter writer? Were you ever? Was I ever a letter writer? Did you write letters? Not, not really. Okay. Only because I have to say my, my penmanship has not, is not that great. And okay. By the way, penmanship doesn't matter because it's yours. You know? I know. That was my story. Yes. Well, you know, I think also you have to be a certain age to have been raised with letter writing because we didn't have, you know. Um, yes. And my question is to you, if you were to mm -hmm. write a love letter right now, who would it be to? And then I'm going to hope you do it. Well. Wow. Okay. Is your mother still with us? No, she she passed. Oh, okay. Um, although, and I am married, my husband, so it would have to be uh, my husband. But here's uh -huh. the thing, though, Janet. I know you meant you mentioned letter writing. Uh -huh. For me, my letter writing is songwriting. Of course. So that was, yeah. So that was. That was my source. Okay, so let me ask you something. Well, yeah. yes. And by the way, I just want to backtrack a little. The fact that your mother is no longer with us here on earth mm. is no reason not to write her a love letter. You know, sometimes people write love letters, not just sometimes, to those who have gone. And where do you mail them? Well, you could mail them to yourself. You could mail them to your siblings. You, I mean, there's always someplace. But did you ever think of writing a love letter to you, to yourself? I bet you didn't think of that. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I had to because. Oh, good. I needed help at one point because it's there. So therapy has helped me be the person that I am now. Excellent. And one of the, one of the things that I had to do was write a letter to myself. Oh, excellent. Happened. And, and to remind myself that the past did not, does not define who I am. And uh, I had to embrace that. And I also had to let, I had to forgive myself for, for, for the past, basically. Okay, that is exactly what Love Letters to Ourselves is for, to remind us who we are, to give ourselves a pat on the back when we need it. Now, did you, I have a further question. Did you mail it to yourself? No, I read it to myself, and then they told me to tear it up. Oh, ouch. A knife in my heart. Okay. Well, I know. I know. Personal but decision. Maybe it's, maybe it's time for you to do me. another one. It, 
you know what? It may be, you know, it's, it has been a while. And as far as for my creativity, it's been stifling. I mean, this whole past year has been, you know, has been a roller coaster. And, uh, you know, that fear of the unknown was overtaking. I mean, what was my, my only saving grace was my husband and also a lot of uh, meditating. Well, so, you know something? I mean, I, I think you're, you're part of an important group. That is to say, you know, your theatrical life. And if you, if you do write a letter to yourself, mail it yes. to yourself, open it up and read it. Once it comes in the mail, I think you'll see that the you who wrote it and the you who reading it two different people. And then you just stick it someplace safe. And, you know, in a hundred years from now, somebody's going to find it and they're going to have something valuable in terms of the, in terms of theatrical and emotional history. Oh, this is, I hope you do it. Okay. I, I, you're going to think about it. Well, no, I will make an effort and I, I'll make a commitment to say, yes, I will do that. I mean, I mean, it's been, it has been a while since I've done that. Yes. You know? okay. and, and there are other people in your that. life. You can write to your husband. You could probably yeah. write to other actors that you, I mean, it's, you know, love letter writing isn't a one shot deal. Well, I hope you have a good time with it. And I want to oh, thank you for doing this with pleasure. me. Oh, my pleasure. This I hope I got enough. Pardon me? I hope I, I was able to give you some some yes. information. Everyone else up there. You, I mean, you answered yeah. questions. You portrayed something I think is important about performance and questions I've always wondered about. You know, and, and particularly the audience. I mean, I've had a couple of moments that were just dizzyingly gorgeous as an audience member. And one was the Jersey Boys yeah. in yes. New York. And there was, you know, we get the little note that there's an understudy doing it because the stars had whatever misfortune. And there's always that little, oh, yeah. hardly uh-huh. fair to the guy who's, uh-huh. well, he turned out to be so phenomenal. But at one point he was singing a song. It was over stage left to us uh-huh. and he was singing. And this is a group of what, a big theater in New York, hundreds of people, what, like a thousand people. I don't know how big these. Yes. Big and all of, and and older people. I mean, older, dignified, proper people. Not, and all of a sudden, he he hits some level, and the entire audience, myself included, got up and started screaming. Screaming, in appreciation, and he stopped for a billionth of a second. He broke character. And went like this and then went right back to it. It was just astounding because we do have a relationship with the people on the stage. Well, I hope Connect. to get to see you in something and have a relationship with you on the stage someday. Oh, well, thank you, okay. Thank well, you thank you, dear. I hope we'll be okay. in touch again as life goes on. And All right. Well, and everything. And um, I look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you. Thank you. You too. So until we get to speak to each other again, uh, this is Janet Allen saying goodbye and Ray Santos. We'll talk <laughs> yes. to you later. Thank you. Okay, Take dear. Care. Bye.